Um, so today, we're going to be talking about the authority of Scripture. And over the next couple of weeks, kind of the idea is going to be is that we're going to be exploring kind of the nature of Scripture or some, some key characteristics of Scripture and how that applies to our understanding of God as a whole. Does anybody want any coffee? Anybody that doesn't already have caffeine in their system? <laughs> I'm st- <laughs> Thank y'all. Um, I'm, still, I'm still putting down my rock star over here. <laughs> Thank y'all. Appreciate y'all. Day seven of no energy drinks. You're a hero, man. You're a hero. <laughs> so, we're, yeah. So we're going to be looking at at two different places today. Second Timothy chapter three. We're going to look at verses fourteen through seventeen, specifically verses sixteen and seventeen there. Um, and then we're going to be over in Matthew chapter twenty five, and over there we're going to be looking at verses thirty one through through forty six. So uh, today, the, the kind of the, the the big idea for today that we're going to going to be exploring is the authority of Scripture. So in the last three weeks, we've kind of been looking at the inerrancy of Scripture, the idea that Scripture contains no errors, right? And one of the reasons that I and if you were to go in this in the book that we're kind of um, using as our as our guide or outline here, you, you'll see you'll notice that I've actually flipped the order of these. He went through authority first, and then goes into inerrancy. Um, I felt like it would probably be better uh, better to spend time up front on inerrancy because I think the idea of inerrancy leads into uh, the authority of Scripture. So today we're going to kind of be asking ourselves that question, like what authority does Scripture have over us? And I think it's important for us to start from a point that we understand that Scripture is without error, right? Because that drives home the point that it is in fact God's Word. It's perfect and speaks life to us. And out of that flows this idea that if it's God's Word, if what we have before us is God's Word written to us, then He didn't do this to waste His breath, right? Like He's given us this for a purpose. And this, this book that we hold, one of the things that we claim is that it has the authority to speak to us truth, to correct us, to teach us, to guide us. Right, so it's very important for us to understand and and to and to wrap our minds around what is the authority that Scripture holds over us. Are there any authorities that we would have above and beyond Scripture? Right, these are kind of some ideas that I want us to 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 go forward with because and and the reason I one of the reasons that I that I put it like that that I asked the question: Are there anything? Like, are there any authorities that that kind of would would be positioned alongside scriptures? That you, it it seems so common today for us to hear people say, "God spoke a word to me," right? Y'all y'all heard that, or God gave me a word for you, right? And and I think many times when people use that, we use that, we we hear that phrasing used, and it's not used in the in the. The sense that God literally spoke to me and spoke something to me. But one of the dangers, I think, in that type of phrasing carrying on for long periods of time is that that 
understanding of what you actually mean can get diluted and it be assumed that you actually meant that God spoke something specific to you in such a way that it carries the same weight as Scripture itself, right? So that's what I want us to kind of ask this question. Like, if I, if I were to say to you, God gave me a word to give to you, what I want you all to take away is that, is that if that's true... It had better line up with Scripture, right? Because if it does not, which authority do we go with? Do we go with yours? Or do we go with Scripture itself, right? So these are some of the, some of the things that, that I want us to kind of think about. So I want to kind of give you a definition to be, to be working with about what we mean when we speak about the authority of Scripture. So this is, this is what it means. That all the words in Scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. I'm gonna I'm gonna read that one more time. I want y'all to think about that wording. It's very it's very specific. It's very it's very intentional. Um, so what we mean when we speak about the authority of Scripture is that all the words in Scripture, all the words in Scripture are God's words, and we mean that like this: they're God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey. Any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God Himself. So when we say this is God's Word to us, we mean that. Right? In such a way that that if I were to tell my kids to do something, right? If If I say to Mary, go clean your room, and she hears it from me, right? That's a, that's a, that's a command from her father. Now, if, if I were to tell Isaac, hey, go tell your sister that I said clean her room, right? And Isaac were to go and Isaac were to tell her, those would, that would still be me telling her through Isaac. But if I told Isaac to go clean his room, and then he goes to Mary and says, Dad said to clean your room, do you all see the, the, the difference there, right? So when we say that this is God's Word, we mean that this is God's Word. So if Isaac tells her of himself to go clean her room and she doesn't go clean her room, is there any weight or is there any correction that's going to happen to her? Right? Did she do wrong when it was just Isaac telling her? Right? Now, had I told Isaac to tell her and she disbelieves Isaac (laughs) and she doesn't clean her room... Would there be repercussions? Would there be some, like, like, I'd be like, I told you, and I told Isaac to tell you. And you didn't, you didn't listen, right? So, so we get the difference. Like, authority means that, 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 that you are obligated to what it says, right? So if it says to do something and you do not, then you are disobeying God Himself. That's the weight of this, right? That's what we, we're saying that this is God's Word and it carries the authority as if He was standing in front of you speaking it directly to you, right? 
So if He tells you through His Word to do something, you're obligated to that. If He tells you in His Word not to do something, you're obligated not to do that. The commands that He gives us in His Word are not optional to us. This is the idea that we're dealing with when we're thinking about the authority of Scripture and the authority that it has over us. This is important as well because Scripture is not subject to us and Scripture is not subject to the church, but the church is subject to Scripture. Do you all follow what I mean when I say that? Right? That it doesn't matter if every church in the nation spoke something falsely about God's Word. If every church in the world spoke something untrue about God's Word, they're speaking. It does not give it authority over God's Word itself. God's Word is the central authority for all truth and wisdom. Right? This is central. So, some of the key things that we should be thinking here, well then, if that's the case, it's very important that we understand it rightly. Right? It's very important. If it carries that kind of weight, right, then it is very important that, and, and this is where some responsibility comes for us to study to show your self-approved type thing here, is that, is that if that's the case, it's important that we take it with that weight. That we understand the significance of it. So that we spend time in it. Right? Like that's key. Like how many times do we find ourselves where our primary means of gaining understanding about Scripture is what someone else says Scripture says to us? This type setting. Right? In a classroom. Or someone standing in the pulpit. If God's Word speaks authoritatively over your life, it is critically important that you spend time figuring out what it says. Right? Because this is... Here's the thing that I want to point out too. is because a lot of times what happens in this, especially in this type of thing, like, like, is that we feel ourselves somehow less capable than Dustin. Right? And so what happens is because I'm less capable than Dustin is that Dustin's going to stand and I'll trust him and we we can trust Dustin. Now we should dig into the Scripture because Dustin's fallible and he can make mistakes, right? But he's our pastor. We can trust what Dustin says. But what tends to happen is that more authority gets placed on Dustin than on Scripture itself. Or more authority gets placed on the teacher than on Scripture itself. So that we find for ourselves teachers that we trust or that say things that sound good to us and we start relying on that more than we rely on Scripture. Follow? Do y'all see where that could be potentially dangerous? Right? So one of the central ideas that I want us to come out of this is that, is that if Scripture speaks in an authoritative way to us, it is important for us to spend time in it. Do not sell yourself short Either, because one of the claims that we're going to make is that God's Spirit Himself, as you spend time in this book, unlike any other book, right? Maybe you're not good at quantum physics. Maybe you go and buy a quantum physics book and you spend time studying it and you come out at the end of it and you're not any good at it, right? Real talk, that can happen, okay? (laughs) But here's what I'm claiming about Scripture, 
is that if you come to Scripture seeking, you will find. Right? Right? So this is not a matter of, of, of skills or natural abilities. This is a matter of time with God. Right? Do y'all follow? Like, if this is God's Word spoken to us with the authority as though God was speaking directly to me in a face-to-face manner, then me spending time in God's Word is me spending time with God. That's what's at stake here. That's why you should not just trust that, that Dustin or I have spent time with God. You spend time with God in His Word. This is critically important. Critically important. Now I want us to so flip to Second Timothy chapter three. Um, we're going to look at Paul speaking here to Timothy. We're going to look at this, and then we're going to extract out of this and make an example. We're going to use Matthew chapter twenty-five to show how this that we see in chapter three of Second Timothy plays out as we spend time in God's Word. So Second Timothy chapter three. I'm going to start reading in verse fourteen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, pay close attention. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I'm going to read that again, and I want you to point out to me what are the things that God's Word is good for in us. What's it profitable for? Verse 16, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for what? Teaching, what does that mean? What does it mean to be taught? Taught about what? About God. Yes. Taught about who? The only thing that matters. Right? So, so, so God's Word is good for teaching us about who God is, about what God has done, about what God is doing, about where our ultimate hope is in the future. God's Word is good, profitable for teaching us about reality. About teaching us truth about reality. And then also, if you look at the end of, the, end of that verse, and it connects the word teaching that the man of God may be so in other words, we need yeah. to be taught to be equipped. Yes. So to be equipped, we must be taught. And there's so so let's press on into that. So profitable for teaching, what else? For reproof. Some some of your may translate that for rebuke. Right? So what does that mean? What what is what can God's word do? It can point out error, right? It can point out falsehood. But it doesn't stop there. Right? It Not only does God's Word, can it point out where you're wrong or where you're living wrong or where you may be in sin, but what else? For correction. Right? Y'all, y'all see how those two things are not necessarily the same? That I can tell you you shouldn't do this, but give you no example at all of how you should do things? 
But God's Word is good for both. God's Word can show you how not to live, and it can give you an example of how to live. It can correct you. Right? It can not just rebuke you and say that you're wrong, but it can say, do this instead. That's what God's Word's good for. It's profitable for teaching, for, for reproof, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Okay. Now, there's some, there's some details here that I want us to point out because it might be the case that as we're looking at this, some of this, like, we might not get, well, where are the differences? What's the, what's, how, do, how do you break those things up? Because they all seem very similar. So, I think for the reproof and for the correction, we can get those things, right? I don't think those are too bad when we kind of point out the reproof is saying you're wrong about something. Correction is leading you in how you would do it. But how do we differentiate that from, from, for training? Training in righteousness. And here's what I want to tell you is that, and this is, an, I think, an important thing about what Christ has done for us because we have the righteousness of Christ on us. Like when we stand before God, we stand in Christ's righteousness. Okay? So there's a difference between never sinning and living righteously, right? Like to live righteously is an active action, right? Like that's like for me just to not do wrong does not would not ever mean that I was righteous because I can simply not do wrong by not doing anything at all right taking no action but but to 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 be trained for righteousness that like God's word commands us not just in what not to do and what to do but how to live as Christ lived right do we get that Christ was more than just sinless but that He was righteous. Right? That He took positive, forward action in righteous ways. Like when you would look at His life, you would say, that is a righteous man. Not just a sinless man, but a righteous man. A man who goes above and beyond good. Right? That's, that's righteousness there. So God's Word is good for that as well. It trains us not only in what not to do and what to do, but how to go above and beyond. Right? And it's profitable for that. Look at the life of Christ and you'll see these things. And then it kind of the end of that says that the man of God may be complete. Right? So this is the, the Word of God forms us, works us, shapes us to completion. Right? I want, us to, I want us to get that. That there's that if you spend time in God's Word, you don't have to worry about not being well-rounded in who God is. Right? God's Word is sufficient for teaching you everything. It's one of those questions. Like if you were deserted on a desert island and you had only one book that you could take with you, what would that book be? It had better be Scripture. You don't need your commentary. That is not necessary. For you to know God. God's Word is. His Word is. Right? He starts off, he's kind of in the early parts of this, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the latter part of verse 15 there. Speaking of Scripture. like, And here's the thing. like, We look in the book of Romans, we look in the early chapters of Romans, and we can see that God has made Himself well known to all mankind throughout history. So that they could know Him and be without excuse. But the knowledge that we see in creation is not sufficient for salvation. God's Word spoken to us 
given to us, passed down through history to us today is. Right? Wise, like, like it leads us and makes us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. God's Word is essential. Now, we've got a couple of preachers in here. Um, this, is where, this is one of those things where we should, we should step back and we should consider that. The importance as we stand up that we spend time focusing on God's Word. Right? Because it is no man's word that makes wise to salvation, but it is God's word that makes. So when we stand in the pulpit, when we stand up and teach, what should be central to all that we do? God's word. God's word. So I want us to look at God's Word and look at these four areas, teaching, reproof, or rebuke, correction, and training in righteousness. And I want us to see, I want us to get an example, a taste of how Scripture in fact does this. Right? So flip now with me to Matthew chapter 25. How much time do we have left? Hopefully we've got enough to... I think we're good. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here digging into Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through the end. So I'm going to start, and I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at different ways that this teaches, that this rebukes, that this gives correction, that this trains us towards righteousness. So this is probably going to take, take a little bit of time, but uh, we're going to move as quickly as we can. So Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with them, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on His right but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come you who are blessed by My Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothed? And clothe you. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me or I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say unto you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So there's a lot that we can pull out of this text. I want us to look at a couple of places and just a couple of different examples of teaching and then reproof, rebuking, correction, training, and 
And so uh, the first thing that I want us to see is that what can we learn? What can we be taught by this text? And I want us to specifically in this, there's a lot that we can learn that we can be taught, right? But specifically, I want us to look at the opening of this, and I want us to look at the character of God, the plan of God, kind of in this. So when the Son of Man, now who's that referring to? Is there significance in the usage there of the phrase the Son of Man? Yes, there is. All right, Comes in His glory. So whose glory is He coming in? Does He need the glory of someone else? So the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him. Right? So I want you to consider what that means. Like, What are the implications that the angels in heaven are coming with Him? Then He will sit down or then He will sit on His glorious throne. Whose throne is He sitting on? So who's sitting on the throne? The Son of Man? Who's come in His glory to sit upon His throne? In verse 32, Before Him will be gathered all nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. What do we learn about this King? About this Son of Man? Or we'll see King here in a second. But the Son of Man who comes in His own authority or comes in His own glory to sit on His own throne. What do we see about Him? That He knows His own. Right? He rules all the nations. He knows his own. And on that day, it will not be difficult for him to separate those whom he knows from those whom he does not know. If I were to give you a pasture full of sheep and goats, and I were to lead them all through a single gate, and I were to say, you send goats one way, sheep another way, are you going to have a difficult time determining when you see them which is which? You shouldn't have. I mean, maybe if you're blind, that's a possibility, right? But you could probably feel around a little bit and make your way, right? <laughs> right? Get them, yeah, get them to exactly like get them, make a sound, and okay, that's a sheep. Right? So, so we see here that this that this Son of Man that comes in His glory to sit on His throne knows His people. All people will be accountable to Him. All will be called before Him. These are things that we're learned, that we are taught by Scripture. These are not necessarily things that would be obvious outside of Scripture as well, right? Like I want us to get that that what we learn about God in the Holy Word of God tells us things that no other religion has ever come to the conclusion of, right? None. None. God's Word speaks these things solely about Him. Right? So you can learn these things, these type truths, only in His Word. Right? And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. Verse 34. Then the King will say to those on His right, So who is this Son of Man? Who comes in His own glory. Who sits on His throne. The king will say to those on his right. Now, if, in case you were to, in case you were to wonder who this king is, like in case you were to be curious, like you continue on. So then the king will say to those on his right, "Come, who you are blessed by, by who, by my father, right? So who's the king here? Like it should become more and more clear as we press on through this that this king, this one who comes, the Son of Man, is none other than Jesus Christ Himself." all the claims that he makes about himself. So this king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And now we're going we're gonna to switch gears a little bit and we're going to start looking at reproof and correction. 
Alright, so we're going to see two different sections here. Ways that you should live, ways that you shouldn't live. Right, so the reproof and the correction come to us kind of intermingled together in the same in the same ideas, right? So Jesus here speaking, and this is something that I want us to, I specifically selected this text for us to pay attention to today because when we stand before he- before God in heaven, there are some things that are going to matter and there are some things that are not going to matter. And I honestly believe that much of our lives are spent on those things that will not matter at all. Much of our efforts as a church are spent on those things that will not matter at all. And I want this to speak to us today here at Mount Carmel, right? So on that day when we stand before Him, what will we answer for? Jesus Himself speaking of this says to us, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. Lord, help us in the church of America because we fail so miserably here. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer to them. Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. How often do we overlook the least of these? How often? How often do we concern ourselves with things that do not matter when those around us go hungry, when those around us go unclothed, when those around us go lonely and sick and in need of just a word to them? How often? How often? Do you see how God's Word can reprove and correct Right? Do you see how rightly used it convicts our heart and the Spirit of God says, yes, that's true. Right? Like the Word of God rightly divided. It cuts through even your thoughts and your mind and your heart so that things that you might not know or think or things that you may have as a believer thought wrongly or incorrectly, it pierces through those things. And changes us. Right? This is the work of the Word of God in our hearts and lives. God's Word has authority. And I would say that 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 authority is active in the speaking and preaching of it. Right? Like that you can feel the weight of that authority. You all know what it's like to sit in front of someone who stands up and I'm going to air quote preaches... And they tell stories the whole time that have zero to do with Scripture. And how you can go away and be unchanged by that. And you've all sat in sermons before where the the preacher simply spoke from the Scriptures and you don't know how it happened or why it happened, but God changed you in that moment. If you don't, if you've never experienced that, you, you don't know... 
you don't know Jesus. Like that's the reality of it. Because that is the way that the Spirit works through the preaching of His Word. Like He changes us as we hear it. Like, does God's Word, does Scripture have authority? How do we know that it is God's Word? It changes us from the inside out. Right? It changes us. So, though arguments are good for why God's Word is trustworthy, for the history of it throughout the ages, through why we can look at it and we can see consistency in it, from how it's... how it's tra- like Though all those things are good and beneficial, the way that you know this is God's Word is you read it and it changes you. And it changes you in a way that no other book could. Right? That's ultimately... That's ultimately the reality. And that happens because God's Word carries authority with it. When Jesus spoke, they were like, He speaks differently than the rest of these guys. Right? Like the Word that He spoke carried a different kind of weight. Right? So it reproves us, it corrects us, it trains us in righteousness. So we get these examples throughout here, right? Like this, how we should live, how we shouldn't live. Like we see all of this playing out here. We get the positive, we get the negative. So he's kind of wrapping up here and the king will answer them, Truly I say unto you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he'll say to those on the left. So verse 41 here. Then he'll say to the ones on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, we're not going to have time to go into this today, but I want you to note two things. And I want you to spend time yourselves digging into this. Note how the kingdom, how he speaks in verse 34. The king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Notice the wording that he uses there. The kingdom of heaven prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now notice this second part. Down here. When he's casting away. Into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Right? He doesn't even... Like he's super specific in the timing of plan A. Right? Those who he's welcoming in here. Right, like this was plan A. We can see that. Now, one thing that I want us to see as well as we look into this is, and I want again, I want you to spend time digging into this. There's a there's a lot to pull out from here. Um, is that the is that do you think? And this is why I, this is why I think that it's important for us to, to understand that this is God's word. That this is God's word without error. Because when we understand that reality, then we can be nitpicky over Scripture. Do you understand that it is because we know that every Everything here is here specifically for a purpose that we can chop it and divide it, that we can break it down. Because we know that everything that God spoke, He spoke it intentionally. Like it's not, there's, it's not haphazardly that it's there. Right? And that's what, like, do y'all get that that's so critically important? That when we start digging in and diving into Scripture, that knowing and trusting that every word that we read is purposeful. Not only was it purposeful a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, before Christ even stepped foot, before the manger scene ever occurred, right? Like, God's Word is purposeful throughout time. 
So we should dig into it. Pay attention to the details of it. Because He spoke it to us. Right? So pay attention to the details as He continues on. I want us to get a couple of other points of of being taught here. What does Scripture teach us is the eternal significance of these actions. Right? Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them saying, Truly I say unto you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment. Is it significant that we pay attention to the details here? Right? These that are cast away are cast away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So as we, I want, I want us to kind of go away today, like spend some time in that text, um, that all of Scripture can be can be used in that same way, right? Like all of Scripture is useful, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Um, this is just one specific example of that. Um, you can see that in in any place that you that you that you dig into. I think this is one of those one of those specific examples where we can really mine out a ton of stuff. And and it cuts to the heart, I think, of a lot of issues that we that we deal with um, in our in our day to day lives today. As we get kind of um, sometimes can get stagnant, or we can focus our focus can be set on things that it shouldn't be set on. Um, I think this is a good like for me as I as I like if I think about what is one scripture that can always refocus me better than than any. That that picture of what it will look like to stand before the Son of Man, the King of Glory, sitting on His throne, dealing judgment over our lives. And what He said, like, this is the reality of this. And this should comfort us as well as believers. If you're a believer, you fall into that righteous camp, right? He will say to you on that day. Right? He will say to you on that day. Come, who you who are blessed by my Father, right? And he will say that. that. He's already putting over there with the sheep. Yeah. Yes. Already. That's that's yes. He knows you, and the reality of it is, is that these who are righteous are asking the question when, right? Like that comforts me as I'm in these places where I read this and it and it's, it cuts me deep where I'm like, I can see so many places that I didn't. I can see so many times where the guy was like, hey man, can you spare a couple dollars? And I'm like, I don't carry cash. And I don't carry cash on purpose, right? So that when I'm in these things, I can be like, I don't carry cash, man. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Right, and I'm, it cuts me deep. But at the same exact moment, the same scripture comforts me that He knows me. And on that day when He says it, and I'm in my moment of when, Lord, did I do any of this? He'll say, "When you did to the least of these, you did to me, and you will, you will." Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. And, and that ought to be, like, I think the difference is their attitude. Like, yeah. They go, they, the ones that were unrighteous were like, when did we not? Yeah. 
Yeah. They, he were, they were like, when did we? Yeah. You know, and I think as a Christian, like that's what the reproof and the correction is. It's a beautiful feeling to be disciplined of the Lord. Yeah. In Hebrews, he talks you know, about that's how we know where he is, is yeah. that we're humbled by the scripture. And I told Dustin this morning, I love how he helps me as a worship leader get prepped for Sunday because he gives me, you know, ahead of time what he's going to do the scripture and, and I study and I pray over it and everything and I don't have it perfect because I'm, I'm flesh but uh, when I get lead worship but I'm just saying it prepares my heart yeah. for the soul like the soul of my heart for the teaching and all that and that's what you're preaching on yeah. preaching in here <laughs> like the word is powerful in yeah. my life all week long. Yeah. And we can't just come here and just open our mouth like a, when we can and God will, he did me yeah. for years, you know, giving me bits and pieces. Yeah. But when you start getting into it, let, let us understand that when God, when we talk about, are we bad? Yeah. When we talk about the authority of God, the authority of God's word is an active authority. It is not an authority that simply says no, but it is an authority that leads in hows and whys, right? Like that, when we speak on Scripture's authority, so often we focus on the no's. Scripture says no here, no here, no here, no here. And so often we don't understand or don't consider the whys Right? Like the wisdom of God in His no's and yeses. Right? But God's Word carries an active authority that, that moves in us in a way that no other authority... Like we could speak of no other authority in that way. Right? In the way that we can speak of the authority that God's Word carries over us. Um, so I want us to close out in prayer.